You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The New York Knicks have a competent front office. It feels strange to say. It really does, but it appears the Knicks know what they are doing. Amber and Ian is presented by Progressive Insurance. Jonathan Zaslow filling in for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight. I'm surprised you're even here, frankly. I'm surprised you are here. I'm surprised our producer, James Steele, is here because I heard when The Rock was on McAfee today that there's some big like wrestling press conference I mean, starting at 7 p.m. Eastern today. That's some dorky thing about uh, t- I don't I mean, know, WrestleMania I don't know about and Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns or something. I don't know and- about that. You know, the tribal chief, the great one, the American nightmare. Who? They're all going to be. The- well, the great one's the rock. All right. The tribal chief okay. is Roman Reigns. Sure. And talk about knowing how to take advantage of the scenario. You got WWE ascending on Vegas, uh, the Super Bowl. They're doing a massive press conference tonight, which is actually a really big deal. I'm not, ju- not, you know, I'm not being facetious there. I know you are. It's a pretty big thing. <laughs> so this shows my dedication, all right? I hope the suits, they're listening right now. Like, you know what? That's Haslow guy. We know he loves pro wrestling. And look how dedicated he is. He's working with Amber tonight, doing a show, and he's enjoying it all. So that's a good employee. It's amazing right he's doing his job. That's a good employee. It's crazy he's doing his job instead of wasting time listening to grown men apparently discuss... Something that... It's a press conference. <laughs> Three questions. They'll answer pre- the questions. A- <laughs> are Raise the, your hand. Are the answers... Is everything... Are the pre- Do they know the questions in advance? No. What's the matter? Are the what? questions no, it- also scripted? What? No. You'll, you'll raise your hand. It's a regular... There's wrestling media. All right? You Hold on. Raise is your the wrestling hand. media fake or are they real? How dare you? You're fake. How dare you? Yeah. Oh, good yeah. contribution there, James. If, if right. I'm a little so bit you- distracted in an hour from now when it really gets going at 8 o'clock, you'll understand why. But I'm here. I'm with you. But you are here. Uh, you are here. The NBA tried the trade deadline big also here. But it, it was a big news day as we made our way towards the trade deadline. The biggest news was probably what the New York Knicks did. They got uh, Bogdanovich and Alec Burks. I see how you didn't want Pistons. to take a stab at the first name there. You played it safe. Bogan, bo- 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 yeah. Let's just uh, bo- go with Bogdanovich. Though I yeah. nailed Bogdanovich. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I, I'm good with that one. Yeah. Okay, yeah. it's the alliteration. It's a little tricky. You you learn to work with these things. We know, you know? what you're like talking about. Wemby instead of Wembenyama. You know, you you, you kind of work to your way around these things when you're in this business. So here we go. Bogdanovich, yeah. Alec Burks. Even Alec Burks is always a tricky one for me because I always want to call him Alex. Nevertheless. They are now New York Knicks from the Detroit Pistons. The Pistons in return, they got four players and a couple second round picks. The key to this thing, Zaslow, was that the Knicks didn't have to give up any firsts. Still got better. Obviously, they have injuries right now with Ananobi and with Randall. And so they are putting themselves in a good position without having to give up the good stuff. The Knicks have a, a competent front office. 
And mm-hmm. I don't know when the last time you were able to say that. This is a this was a good day for the Knicks fan. I hate I hate saying that, but I yeah. I, I gotta be fair. Okay, fair is fair. And the New York Knicks had a great day today. The New York Knicks were the trade deadline winner. And then especially when you just look at it all-encompassing, which is the moves that have been made leading up to today. So you got to include OG Ananobi from a couple of weeks ago. And the Knicks are a massive winner. Look, Amber, before today, I felt that the Knicks were a real contender. I felt they were the second-best team in the Eastern Conference. And now I'm sure of it. This is easily the second-best team in the Eastern Conference. I think they are a real contender in the East overall. This was a very good day for the New York Knicks. And like you said, they're hoarding all those first-round draft picks. They got about Mm -hmm. 6,000 of them over the next few years, and they didn't have to give up any of them, which continues to allow them to be a big-time player in the offseason for next year. But for right now, this... They got Jalen Brunson a lot of help, a lot of offense, a lot of shooting, and it helps with Randall missing some time now through the All-Star break and however much longer Ananobi's got about. And Brunson's kind of banged up also. I know he's questionable for the contest tonight, although I think he really wants to play because it's Dallas' old club. But I thought the Knicks were a major winner today. Yeah, they were. Obviously, you and I hate to say it or admit it it. as Heat fans, but they absolutely are. Dallas is at the New York Knicks, 7.30 p.m. tip-off in that game. Brian Windhorst, ESPN's NBA insider, was on NBA Today. He said, the Knicks have put themselves in a really good spot. This is the team that needs help right now. And also, if they're going to get what you say, Perk, they got to try to get that number two seed. The number two seed is important over this next three or four weeks as they get healthy. So these moves get them an opportunity that they can compete for that number two seed as they get healthier. And I would also say it's important that they have now gone through this season and added Ananobi, mm. Bogdanovich, yep. Burks. Wing players who can play both ends of the court, who are good three-point shooters, and they did not give up a first-round pick mm. in any of those deals. And they're still sitting there holding eight in their kitty that they can trade. And when we get to this summer, those are going to be on offer for a star player. A superstar player at that. Amber Dean is presented by Progressive Insurance. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save nearly $750 on average. Jonathan Saslow filling in for Ian tonight. So other trade deadline news. The Raptors dealt Dennis Schroeder to the Nets in return for Spencer Dinwiddie, but he got waived right away there. Uh, Buddy Heald went from the Pacers to the 76ers. I think that was the first news of today. Yeah. The... Other bigger story to me here was the Hornets uh, trading Gordon Hayward to the Thunder. The Thunder got a few guards and some it's draft a strange compensation. One to me. Was it? I I don't know. The Gordon Hayward health component of this, I, I obviously matters, but I can see what they're doing or what they're attempting to do if it works out. Well, they they may they may be looking for a veteran presence. You know, they're mm-hmm. they're fighting for the number one spot. In the Western Conference, it's a three-way tie. And, and then you got the Clippers a half game back of that three-way tie in the fourth spot. I, I think they probably want a veteran presence there because you look at their studs between Gilgis Alexander, Chet Holmgren, who, by the way, is still is a rookie, all right? Uh, Jalen Williams, this is a very young team. So maybe they want a veteran presence there because I don't think – like, I don't think he starts with them. I, I, I wouldn't right. want to start him over Josh Giddy. You know, I, right. Giddy does a little bit of everything. So I think Hayward's a bench player for them. 
I, I guess they want the veteran presence there, and, and Oklahoma City is kind of like, yeah, you know what? Like we're going for it. So let, let's. I don't do know it. if he starts over Josh Giddy, but I could Shouldn't. see him closing games over Josh Giddy because that's been a problem for Josh Giddy. And the thing is, with Gordon Hayward at this point at 33 years old, I don't know if he does anything spectacularly, but he's still a very solid player. You know, he's still a, a decent shooter. Well, they don't rely a on him. Presence. And they don't have to rely on him. So they're bringing in another piece. And like you said, a piece that also might help that locker room generally with some of those leadership skills. He has not played those since December 26th due to a calf injury. So again, we'll see how healthy he actually is. I think that matters here in evaluating this trade. But I don't hate it. Uh, I mean, I don't. They'll feel like they give up a ton for it either. So I understand what they were doing there. Uh, The biggest surprise to me was that apparently hourglass emojis... And cryptic tweets don't actually do much to manhandle the Los Angeles Lakers anymore. I've always yeah. felt like LeBron was in charge of the Lakers. Uh, we also feel like Rich Paul is a little bit in charge of the Lakers. Apparently, the Lakers were not going to trade LeBron. Rich Paul was right about that. But they also weren't going to trade for anybody else because the Lakers did a whole lot of nothing here. Yeah, the I'm sure it's not for a lack of effort from the Lakers. It, it would appear that they wanted... DeJounte Murray, right? And Mm -hmm. Atlanta stayed put with DeJounte Murray. But my guess is that the Lakers, and like I said, I'm pretty sure they were seeking deals, but they don't, they don't want to give up their future draft picks. You know, if, if I'm a team that the Lakers are calling, I want that 2029 first round pick because the Lakers are going to be terrible by the year 2029. And I think the Lakers look at it and they're like, Hey, uh, we're, we don't even have, a commitment from LeBron past this year. And so when they're not willing to give up their best assets and the only thing they're willing to give up is D'Angelo Russell, it's not a big market for D'Angelo Russell out there if you're not attaching a juicy first-round pick next to it. So I'm really not surprised that the Lakers couldn't get anything done. They're going to spin it that, hey, we've won three games in a row here or whatever it is. Uh, That's a Fugazi stretch. But they're going to spin it that they've won a few games in a row against quality teams and and we're happy with where we're at. But I I think everybody knows a little bit better. They're not going to mortgage their future for a guy who might leave them this summer. And I don't blame them for it, frankly. They got the championship out of LeBron. Maybe that's all they'll get out of the LeBron era. That's fine. At this point, if a 40-year-old or almost 40-year-old LeBron leaves your franchise, then so be it. There's no reason to go ahead and trade away your future in the process to try to keep him happy because he hasn't yet signed an extension there. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian Saslow filling in for Ian tonight. Will we have any surprises at the NFL honors tonight? We'll get into that on ESPN Radio. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. 
Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. The NFL honors are tonight. The award show starts at 9 p.m. Eastern. That means we will find out who is the NFL MVP in just a little less than two hours from now. Jonathan Zaslow filling in for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight. The NBA is on ESPN Radio. We've got Suns at Warriors Saturday at 8 p.m. Eastern, and then Celtics at Heat Super Bowl Sunday, 1.30 p.m. Eastern to warm you up before the Super Bowl. Let's talk, though, Zaslow, about what we would do with the NFL honors before we actually find out what is being done with the NFL honors. Okay, I want to know. The MVP of the league for Jonathan Zazlo. Quickly, though, let me rattle off who's actually in the running for this thing. The nominees are Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Christian McCaffrey, Dak Prescott, and Brock Purdy. Who you yeah. got? Uh, you know what? I-, I can't ignore what we've seen the last few weeks. You're not asking me a few weeks you ago. You have to. No, no, I don't have to. No, no, it's, 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 it's my vote. I don't have to. <laughs> oh, so you're changing the rules for the Zazzle MVP. Well, yeah, I, I'm voting tonight. This is the vote. I didn't cash in. I didn't hand in my vote a few weeks ago. I'm going with Christian McCaffrey. Armed with the information I have in front of me right now at 7.17 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on Amber and Ian, you are asking me to vote for the MVP this year. I know what Lamar Jackson did last week in the conference championship game, and that was throw up all over himself. Christian McCaffrey, I know what he's done throughout the entire season and this postseason. I'm voting Christian McCaffrey. All right, well, if we're changing the rules like that, and it's not a regular season award in this hypothetical world that you and I have created, then I have to agree with you. It's either Christian McCaffrey there you go. or Brock Purdy. Because Brock go. Purdy brought his team all the way back and was responsible even with his legs to get his team to a Super Bowl. So Brock Purdy has a strong case here. I would give it to CMC. I absolutely loathe the fact that this is only a quarterback award. There are far too many other valuable, un believable, spectacular players in the NFL for this thing to always go to a quarterback. We need to create a separate award for a quarterback if this thing is always going to be just quarterback after quarterback after quarterback. So I absolutely would give it to Christian McCaffrey. All of that being said, if it's a regular season award, if it's a regular season award, which in fact it is in the real thing, then it's Lamar Jackson very easily for me over those other names. And that's who I expect to actually win it tonight. It's an award that you're asking my vote on February 8th, a Thursday night at now 7.19 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So <laughs> I'm turning in Christian McCaffrey is the MVP. Oh my so God. then you're pro- what, what the heck are you going to do here now? Because now I'm going to throw offensive player at the year, uh, offensive okay. player of the year at you. Yeah. Christian McCaffrey also is on this list. Although you just handed him the MVP. The other guys on this list aren't currently playing in a Super Bowl. Tyreek Hill, Miami Dolphins, Lamar Jackson, Ravens, CeeDee Lamb, Cowboys, Dak Prescott, Cowboys, and of course, Christian McCaffrey. Who you got? Guess who's cleaning up tonight? Christian McCaffrey. So offensive player of the year. Zazzo's MVP. Ian How Zazzo's can he be the MVP and not offensive player of the year? How's well, that because, even logical? Because well, normally we give the MVP to a quarterback, and that's where we give the cupcake award to somebody who's not I'm a shaking quarterback. Shaking things up, baby. Christian McCaffrey cleaning up tonight. How about that? Um, I like that. What I like more would be if Tyreek Hill won this award tonight. An unbelievably explosive season. One that 
if not derailed at the very end by some injury and some caution, would have, in my belief, been a 2,000-yard NFL record-breaking season and blowing all the records out of the water. Uh, He was spectacular. I'm hoping that he gets the award tonight. Defensive Player of the Year, uh, Deron Bland, Max Crosby, Miles Garrett, Micah Parsons, and TJ Watt. You know who I'm coming with? Christian McCaffrey. No. Okay, all right. I'm going with Miles Garrett. Uh, He's just... Like, I look at Miles Garrett, and I'm, I'm not going to compare him to Lawrence Taylor because that's, like, the most blasphemous thing you could ever say. When you talk to coaches or, or, or guys who used to play in the league and they want to compare defensive players, they mention Lawrence Taylor, but they always want to make clear, I'm not comparing him to Lawrence Taylor because Lawrence Taylor is the greatest ever and nobody's close. But the point that I'm making is when Lawrence Taylor was playing, he jumped off the screen. And I look at, you know, that Cleveland Browns defense – and Miles Garrett just jumps off the screen. So, yeah. Miles Garrett is a terrifying human uh, in all the best ways on a football field. I thought that he was my MVP through the huge, overwhelming majority of the season. I was screaming that he should be the MVP because this was that weird season where for so many weeks, we didn't really have a standout. And every time it felt like somebody would stand out, like it was, you know, Brock's in the conversation. Yeah. And he has that couple games slide and it kept going like that. No, this with was everybody the year threw that into that conversation. like a dark horse, you know, pop up this this was the year this was the year it felt like that uh it doesn't end up really with any of that at the end I think for MVP but I was screaming that it should be Miles Garrett for so long that for me Miles Garrett is easily the defensive player of the year rookie of the year this one's easy on the offensive side of the ball Zazlo because I think it's easily hands down CJ Stroud Bijan Robinson also up for this award Puka Nakua Sam Laporta and Jameer Gibbs I, I don't really think we need to spend much time on this one. Yeah, it's like, like Puka Nakua is fantastic. So shout right. out, but it's it's CJ Stroud. Yeah, okay. Uh, Will Anderson on the defensive rookie of the year. Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, Joey Porter Jr., Kobe Turner, Devon Witherspoon. Yeah, I I, I don't feel terror like I want to say Jalen Carter, but I think it's probably Will Anderson. It's Will Anderson to me. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Uh, J- Jalen Carter was great, but then he kind of fell off there at the end and. Well, for me, and, and it Philadelphia was ended up with like the worst defense you've ever seen by the ever time the season ended. And he and he individually really fell off at the end of the which happens to Rooks, but he did fall off towards right, the end of the season. Another reason for Eagle fans to be mad at you, not just uh, well, they love the me already. So let's keep going down that path. Hey, Philadelphia. All right, let's talk about comeback player of the year. Some interesting nominations. This is a hard award because it depends how you define comeback player of the year. But on the list, Joe Flacco. Damar Hanlon, Baker Mayfield, Matthew Stafford, and Tua Tungavaloa. Yeah, I, I gotta, I gotta be honest with you. It's easy for me. It's, it's Tua. Like Tua's the really. Comeback. Yeah, I mean, I'm Tua's shocked a... he's on this list. What is, he, what is he coming back from? Like, is he coming back from the concussions? Like, he was good last season he, before he, he looked the like health he was, stuff. He looked like he was paralyzed on the field last year. But and he was I, good. I, I thought, I thought his career was over. And well, yeah, of course he's good. But that, that's he was that's good. the. Yeah, the award almost always goes to somebody who is hurt, comes back from a major injury, uh, and Tua came back from, should he retire? Is he ever going to yeah, play again? Stupid. To playing every stuff. single down, never missing a down because of injury, and leading the league in passing yards. To me, he's the comeback player of the year. I think that DeMar Hamlin is going to win it. I, I don't want to sound crass, but I, I totally disagree. I mean, Tua Tonga-Vailoa 
was out there leading the league in passing yards. There were games this year DeMar Hamlin wasn't active. Right. I love that everything's great with DeMar Hamlin. I love it. But there were games he wasn't active. Although we were year. actually concerned about life or death with DeMar Hamlin, obviously. Uh, so from the comeback for him to even be able to participate in football again, I mean, that's a hell of a comeback story in and of itself. But for me, too, it shouldn't even be on this list because – I understand that he was overcoming the concussions. He never said at all that his career is over, but the conversation was never, can he still play? Like, does he have enough left in the tank? Even with Matthew Stafford, you were talking about injuries and the elbow injuries. And I thought Matthew Stafford's career was over. Like, I didn't think Matthew Stafford was ever going to be the same quarterback again. With Tua, I knew as long as he could stay up upright and not get hit as long as he was in a position of health then he was fine to play like he was going to be good you know we already knew he was good we knew he was good before some of the injuries Baker Mayfield is a dude whose career really did feel over right I mean and I understand there wasn't an injury there well, but yeah like what do you say like there Carolina, what did he come back from like he came back from being from terrible? being awful he, okay. for, he came back from Cleveland all right <laughs> I mean came surviving that in and of itself in Cleveland okay <laughs> All right, uh, but me. the way that it ended at the end of Cleveland, Carolina, he came back from Carolina. That's yeah. also, I mean, that's survived also a feat. David Tepper. Okay. He survived David Tepper. I mean, that's, that's pretty remarkable you know uh, for Baker. A resur- <laughs> resurgence here for Baker Mayfield. Uh, poor Joe Flacco. We're not giving him any love there. Coach of the year. Quickly. Dan Campbell, John Harbaugh, D'Amico Ryans, Kyle Shanahan, Kevin Stefanski. I really think this one's easy. I think it's D'Amico Ryans by a landslide. I mean, this Houston team, the organization was a disaster not too long ago. There's no way there was any kind of reasonable explanation for them to win many games this year, let alone make the playoffs, let alone win a postseason game. And what he did, or what they did, the coaching staff did with C.J. Stroud in just the first year, to me, that's easy. It's D'Amico Ryans. I agree with you. I don't think he's going to win it. I think Dan Campbell is going to win it. But didn't we have expectations for the Lions? Well, so that's the thing. That's why I don't agree with it. Because Dan Campbell, everyone already thought the Lions were going to be good coming into this season. Nobody thought the Texans were going to be worth a darn coming to the season. But I think Campbell ends up winning this thing. Coming back, back to the NBA trade deadline. That's next on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN Pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. The Knicks, they're not just good. 
They actually know what they're doing, apparently. Amber and Ian presented by Progressive Insurance. Jonathan Zaslow filling in for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight. Find him at Zaslow Show. You can find me, Amber Wilson, as well, at Amber W Sports. So it is NBA trade deadline day, a flurry of activity. Tim Legler, ESPN NBA, NBA analyst, kind enough to join us. And Tim, thanks so much for your time. Let's start with what the Knicks did. They get Bogdanovich. They get Alec Burks. And they don't give up any first rounders in order to do it. What did you make of the New York Knicks? Yeah, they had a great day. I think they had the banner day, uh, Amber. Um, you look at what the Knicks have sort of done here over the last six weeks or so. I think what they've done is reset and recalibrate where they view themselves this year in the Eastern Conference and in the landscape in general in the NBA. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that they're they're pretty good. And I think they're even maybe better than they realized it's also because of what's going on with Philadelphia with Embiid getting hurt. And now they're sort of falling off and dropping back to the pack. The Bucks have issues defensively. They just made a coaching change or one in four since, since they got Doc Rivers. So they've got a lot to figure out. So the Knicks saw all that going on. I think they approached today as another day to be aggressive and to continue to add pieces to this great mix um, that they already have going on and they went out and they got two proven veteran players that I know have to feel like they got a new lease on life. I mean, leaving the Detroit Pistons and and what that team has gone through this year and the embarrassment of that losing streak. And now you find yourself in an electric Madison square garden playing with a team um, that has literally potential to make it at least to the conference finals, if not all the way to the finals, they're a legitimate title contender after uh, what they have done now in adding OG Ananobi and now going out and getting Bogdanovich and Alec Burks. They just did, They've improved their depth, and they've got more proven guys on this team now that can that can not only play well on a given night, but that are proven to be able to play well in big spots. Um, and that's, I think, what the Knicks were looking for. More depth, more options, a little less pressure on Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle, and they got that. Tim, what did you make of Philadelphia today? It looked to me like by trading for Buddy Heald, they're – He's going to try and stay afloat, at least for the next month, hoping that Joel Embiid can return at some point after that and still qualify for the playoffs. They, they moved on from Patrick Beverly. Well, what do you make of their moves today? Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's really what it says. It spells a couple things. I think, you know, you rent Buddy Heald um, in the minimum for a few months, and hopefully Embiid comes back for them and gives them a month at the end of the regular season. They're still afloat. I mean, they're not going to fall completely out of the play-in situation. Uh, they're going to drop, continue to drop in the standings while he's out, but they're just hoping, hey, when you get him back, you've got this unique force. And if he's actually healthy, um, if he does make it back with you know, 10, 15 games to go in the regular season, you now have a guy that's going to have very fresh legs, and you potentially could have you know, a real force in the playoffs. So they got to get Buddy Heald. They do need shooting. They need an additional weapon. While Embiid is out, I think that's really what they're trying to do here is, is like you said, stay afloat, keep treading water until Embiid comes back, and then make a push. And if it doesn't work out, um, you know, Buddy Heald is, is going to be a free agent this summer. You know, you can, you can potentially re-sign him and trade him if you don't want him, or he walks. There's, there's salary cap that could be freed up potentially if you want to go in a different direction. But in the meantime, you bring in another talented player that can help you score while it's Joel Embiid's out. So I, I understand where the Sixers are coming from. And actually, the, the losing Patrick Beverly going to Milwaukee, I think that addresses something they needed, which was a little bit more toughness on the perimeter defensively and a guy that brings a lot of energy and emotion to their team and, and is willing to get on the floor and leave skin out there. I think they needed a guy like that because their defense has been really porous. 
And I think Doc Rivers got in there, assessed it, and realized they need another personality type like a Patrick Beverly. So they go out and they, they address that. So I think Philadelphia did something they felt they needed to do, and Beverly was expendable to them, and the Bucks, the Bucks thought they needed to add a guy like that to their locker room. Tim Legler joining us on Amber and Ian Zaslo filling in for Ian tonight. Uh, Legs, the Hornets traded Gordon Hayward to the Thunder, maybe bringing a vet presence into that locker room. Do you expect him to start over Josh Giddy? And are there concerns with Gordon Hayward's health? There's definitely concerns. I mean, look, he got that horrible ankle injury was six years ago, believe it or not. And, you know, that first game he played with Boston, we'll never forget that. And he's never really been the same. And every year since, he's missed large chunks of time for various for a variety of reasons in, in, in different injuries. And you, you look at this, he's about to come back. So you're hoping, okay, maybe he comes back, gives him a sustained stretch of health. If he can do that, I like this acquisition for Oklahoma City because he's not going to be somebody that's going to disrupt the flow. They've got great continuity, man. They've got great rhythm. Those guys have great chemistry that young core group in Oklahoma City. Well, you bring in a veteran player that's got a lot of playoff experience under his belt, and he, the way he plays is very efficient. He doesn't take bad shots. He doesn't force the issue. He's a very good passer. He gives them size on the wing, which they could use. So he could be somebody that could move the needle a little bit for them. Um, and they're already been a great story this year, but they have no playoff experience collectively under the belt at all. And so you bring in a guy that's got some of that. I think it's, you know, it's not really a risk because they already have enough to, to compete in the Western Conference playoffs this year. But if it pans out and he stays healthy, I think he gives them a, a really nice additional presence on the court of a veteran guy that's going to make other people better with his passing ability. So I, I think it was a pretty good move for Oklahoma City, who is, is clearly going to wait and see what they have this year before they start leveraging some of all those picks they've stockpiled probably over the summer. To, to, to address maybe going out and getting another big-time free agent and, and really going for it next year. Tim Legler, ESPN NBA analyst, joining us here on Amber and Ian. Tim, what move did you expect to be made that wasn't today? Very surprised that DeJounte Murray didn't move. Uh, I, I just don't understand. You know, I, know, I know they gave up a lot to get him, and I think ultimately that might be what, what they were thinking about, like what they gave up to get him from San Antonio in the first place, that, that pairing doesn't work with Trey Young. It just doesn't work. And DeJounte Murray, I thought, was a guy that you could go out and you, maybe they – I heard they were asking for multiple first-round picks. That sounded steep. If that's what they were trying to get, uh, that, I can see why maybe nobody's willing to deal, you know, deal that for DeJounte Murray. But I really thought that they were going to break that pairing up and they were going to get back some assets that fit better around Trey Young. Because clearly – they're going to keep Trey Young. He's the box office guy for them. He's the draw. He's the attraction. I'm not sure that you can win a title with Trey Young as your best player. In fact, I'm certain you can't. But he is their main attraction, and they they better off getting pieces that fit more around him, spot-up shooters and defenders, than DeJounte Murray, who who's not really the same player in Atlanta, I don't think, that he was in San Antonio. So I was a little bit surprised he didn't move. I thought Kyle Kuzma could be on the move. I thought maybe Miles Bridges uh, potentially is going to be moved out of Charlotte. And there's a lot of different reasons why these guys didn't move, but at the end of the day, they were some of the bigger names that I thought could have had an impact somewhere else. They didn't move. The Lakers didn't make any moves, maybe unwilling to attach one of those firsts because they have no assurance that LeBron's even going to be there after this season. Legs, were you surprised that the Lakers didn't really do anything here, even though there's been hourglass emojis tweeted out? (laughs) 
Yeah, you know, that's, that's a good point. And, it, yes, the Lakers are always a team that you expect to do something just because it's the Lakers and it's LeBron and he's around and he's involved. And you know that you're trying to constantly um, pacify him and give him enough. Um, but they didn't move ultimately. And, and I, don't, I just don't think the deals that they had were attractive to other teams. And D'Angelo Russell's played a lot better lately. I think that maybe changed their mind a little bit. I also think – one of the things, and this was interesting, I was talking with Woj about this today, and I thought it was a good point. Like The play-in tournament has changed some of this for teams. Because you look what the Lakers did a year ago. They, for, for two-thirds of the season, that was a team that looked dead in the water. They make a run to the conference finals. right? So I think the fact that there's more hope, and it's extended beyond now just those, those top teams, there are more teams that believe that if you get hot at the right time and play well at the right time that you can make a run, particularly when you've got two players like LeBron and AD. So I think that might have played into a little bit as well, like what they did a year ago. And look at it, the West, and there's question marks up and down the Western Conference. I think all of these teams have question marks, probably with, with besides Denver. Everybody else is trying to figure out exactly what their ceiling is. And I think maybe the Lakers just looked around and, and thought, you know what, we're, we're not going to get – we don't have to, uh, enough to give up what we really need, so let's just stand pat and let's see if we can make another run at this down the stretch. And, and They're probably wrong, but I think that might have played into their thinking. Tim, I, I want to ask you, I want to go back to Pat Beverly for a second here. You know, he was traded to Milwaukee today, and then he does his podcast because every player's got a podcast. And <laughs> on his podcast today, he, he called Daryl Morey a liar. You know, the, sa- the same thing that James Harden did in the off season. And I'm wondering what's the proper protocol you think here, Tim, because Pat Beverly said a couple nights ago, he went up to Daryl Morey and asked if he's going to be traded. And Morey said, no, we're not trading you. And then he was traded a couple days later. What's Daryl Morey supposed to do there, Tim? What's the proper protocol? Should the player be upset in that spot? Uh, no, listen, I learned very early in my career and I've, I've you know, I'm now, you know, 10 years as a player, 23 covering it. And and in the 33 years I've been associated with the NBA, I just automatically always assumed every player should expect that they, their time could come, period. And they're not going to get a straight answer out of the front office when they ask them a question like that. Um, they're just not. And, and by the way, it's, it's possible that Daryl Morey could have said something to him, you know, 72 hours ago, and, and everything changed based on who becomes available. So – you know, and, and what deal might be, become available that wasn't available when you were asked the question. So I just don't think it's smart to go down the, 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 the road of, of thinking that, you, you, you know, that these guys owe you an, an answer that's forthright. Expect that your time could come because I think every single player in this league is capable of being moved. I think we've seen that in the past. And, and players, by the way, they have the ability when they become free agents to walk away as well. So they can dictate some of their own path. But in general – just understand this is a business and every single front office is going to do what they have to do in the moment. So whatever you were told, I, you know, I would never, I would always take it with a grain of salt. I would never ask that question in the first place um, because I would just assume that it's possible. It could happen at any time. That's what the nature of professional sports is. So I'm just a little bit surprised that Patrick Beverly would be, you know, naive enough to think that, that, you know, it couldn't happen to him. It's good for the podcast readings. I'm sure Tim Legler, ESPN NBA analyst. Thanks legs. Thanks. Anytime. Good to be on. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian's Oslo filling in for Ian. What did Tom Brady think about Bill Belichick not getting hired by another team after leaving the Patriots? We'll hear from him next on ESPN Radio. 
Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Can't believe I'm wasting my time right now trying to sign into Peacock while we're on air so that I can see this stupid wrestling press conference that you and James. Take it easy on, on, you know, the 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 throwing out the insults. Uh It's not stupid. Yeah, it's not necessary. Tuned into, keep talking about are distracted by. So I figured I need to see what you're distracted by. But so far, I'm not distracted. I'm completely engaged. I'm distracted. I'm distracted. At least James is honest. I appreciate that. Just Jonathan's- keep our mics on over there and everything will be okay. Yeah. Jonathan Zaslow filling in for Ian Fitzsimmons tonight. Amber and Ian presented by Progressive Insurance. Let's have some fun with some of the sound that we've gotten this week surrounding Super Bowl 58. Tom Brady, Zaslow, you heard of him? Yeah, yeah, I, I know about Tom Brady. He's won a few Super Bowls, uh, something like seven. Uh, he was on his own podcast, the Let's Go podcast, and he was asked if he's surprised that old Bill didn't get hired. Here's Tom Brady. I don't know the criteria for hiring these guys, for hiring coaches. You know, I have never been a part of it. I mean, I'm surprised that the greatest coach ever doesn't have a job. You know, absolutely. But, you know, I'm surprised a lot of things in the NFL. When I was a free agent, there was a lot of teams that didn't want me. There's a lot of things that happen that, you know, for one reason or another, don't go exactly the way, you, you know, you think they should go. What was this famous sound with Tom Brady? Like, you want that guy? But there was cursing involved. Do you remember? Oh, we were, we were trying to figure it out for a yes. couple of years. For years. Uh, I'm you still wanted not him sure. over me. Yeah, you wanted and, him over me. And, and, and being we, that I'm we were in Miami. Sure we know who it was. Well, well yeah. And, and you and me doing shows in Miami, we were convinced eventually that he was talking about Ryan Fitzpatrick. Right. But so, well, he, that could have been it. Uh, some people thought, though, that it was the Raiders because there was a lot of rumors there. Without well, and, and the Niners with Garoppolo. And, or it could have been Niners with Garoppolo. That was another one of the rumors out there. So I, I don't know who Tom Brady ended up making that famous uh, de- proclamation about. But it was weird when Tom Brady became available. And at the end of his tenure there in New England, there weren't many suitors for Tom bleeping Brady. I mean, it's not so yeah. dissimilar from what we're seeing right now with Bill Belichick. It's very, very odd after that much success. And in Bill's defense, it ended up being a very stupid move by all the rest of the teams in the National Football League, other than Tampa Bay, who were not in on the Tom Brady sweepstakes. Well, with the with the Brady free agency, yes, we can look back at it now and know how stupid it was for more teams not to be interested. But it was also stupid then, all right? Now, Brady wasn't exactly coming off of a great season. Matter of fact, he was, the last he was pass 40s. that he threw... 
But right, right. And the last pass that he threw with the Patriots was a pick six in the playoffs. So it's not like he was still considered a top-tier quarterback. He ended up still being a top-tier quarterback <laughs> yeah. for another couple of years. But with Belichick, hey, Brady's going to say all the right things. His career's over. He also knows he won that uh, that, that debate, all right? So he's going to say all the right things about Belichick. But this isn't surprising to me. I'll, I'll tell you right now, sometimes you got to go on the record, Amber. I'll go on the record here. I think, I think Belichick's done. I don't think he ever coaches a game again in the NFL. I don't think teams want to bring in a coach with essentially his attitude. He's not coming off of a Super Bowl win. He's coming off of a completely inept team, a team that didn't do any winning once Tom Brady left. And I don't think people want that atmosphere in the building. I mean, we've all heard these horror stories about when a coach runs roughshod over the facility and, you know, and everyone walks around doom and gloom. There's a black cloud over. And then when the guy's fired, like we heard this about Josh McDaniels in Vegas this year, right? Mm -hmm. And when he's fired, oh my God, it's so nice to come to work again today. I don't think anyone wants to welcome that into their building. And I think that's what you look at with Belichick. I'm not surprised. I think, I think you have, I think it has a lot to do with it. I think you have a new era in the NFL where the coaches these days are more innovative and they're not necessarily taking that same hard nosed approach that this is the only way to do it. That's a very sort of old school bacho football approach. And I just not sure that it rates the same way now with the young people that are playing the game and with Bill Belichick, the way that he ran those teams, the rigidity of it all. Yes, it was successful, but it seems like it was very, very not fun. And I think that a lot of these guys in the league also want to have some fun because they're playing a game for a living. And yes, of course, they want to do the winning. But some of these other young coaches have proven that there's ways to do the winning and make it a more positive work environment. So I do think that has something to do with it. Josh McDaniels, absolutely uh, from that same tree. Eric Bieniemy has had a little of that following him around. That's another weird story right now, right? I mean, Bieniemy out of a job in Washington. That's somebody who I frankly should have had a head coaching job years ago. But there was some of that following. Oh, him around well he probably I mean with the with the resume and then also with the way the Chiefs offense looked the majority of the regular season you were thinking man this thing is not the same without Eric Bieniemy at the helm I don't know if he's even in the, I mean he's certainly not going to get a head coaching gig now but I don't even know about another OC gig right now but he has some of that attached to him though where he's got like that old school kind of hard-nosed approach and does it rate the same way so I don't know. It's interesting. James, you just deleted the Emmett off my screen. <laughs> I, would, I, I don't know how to and do And by the way, the I'll, 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 I'll add to it, Amber. Like, like the reason I, I say that about Enemy, like did he deserve a head coaching job? Um, he interviewed for a lot of jobs. And he didn't get any of them. And so I, I have to feel like there's a reason for that. So that that's... That's where I. That's why I say that. That's where I land on that. I don't think teams just like oh we like there's some conspiracy against Eric Bieniemy. If one of these teams he interviewed for a lot of jobs. If one of these teams thought that he would be a head coach, somebody would take a chance. Look at some of the guys teams take chances on. You know, I 
I, I think there's a reason why he why he hasn't been hired. I just don't know if some of these coaches that sort of have that reputation, as successful as it's been, I do think there's sort of this new era in the game where people don't necessarily want to work under that yeah, regime. Rob Ninkovich, two-time Super Bowl champion linebacker, on Dan and Ninko's show podcast, said that the only person Belichick can blame is looking in the mirror at himself. Bill Belichick is 15 wins away from the all-time list. The only person that should be upset about that is Bill Belichick. He should look at himself and say, damn, I would be the all-time leading. I wouldn't have to wait a year. I wouldn't have to sit a year out. I wouldn't have to wait for my next opportunity. If I paid Tom, if I gave him $30 million a year, if I paid the guys that instead of lowballing them or telling them like, hey, go ahead and you can move on or you're too old, you would have kept a, a certain amount of guys together and you would have won 30 more yeah. games in the last five years. I agree with that. But you might have won another Super Bowl yeah, and by easily. far been the, the number one all-time leading coach in the history of the game. And the only reason that that didn't happen is stubborn, hard head, ego. And when that gets in the way, all you got to do is look at yourself in the mirror. That's it. That's everybody. Yeah. That's myself. You look at yourself and say, damn, I didn't put myself in the right spot. I didn't make the right decision. I, as a As a general manager... Bill Belichick has that reputation too, the way that he did get rid of guys and and was brilliant at it for a long time, getting rid of guys right before you saw the fall off and then you'd see the fall off when he got rid of them. But it does end up coming back, I think, to bite Bill in the end because to Nico's point there, he didn't keep everybody together. And so the winning didn't stay together, and eventually it ends up costing him. Coming up next here on Amber and Ian, Mike Tannenbaum will join us as we head towards Super Bowl 58 on ESPN Radio.